First and foremost, that foundation of stewardship, I think, is is formed in in identifying and solidifying that relationship between gift and giver. And so I think as a man, I think by God, we're given dominion, we're given responsibility with with a family. And but I think there's a time and I'm wondering if we lose that with a, a rite of passage thing in our culture uh, that other cultures or religions have more overtly where there's a time, you know, it's not because you turned 13, 15, 18. It's because there's been a, a formalizing of, hey, now you're you're because you are this age, because you've gone through this ceremony, this whatever, you now are on the hook for these things. Do you accept? You know, do, mm-hmm. do you choose to participate? Welcome to Authentic Conversations. I'm your host, Ryan James Miller, and I believe the way to freedom, fulfillment, and success ultimately comes by living as the most authentic version of yourself. If you're ready to live the life you've dreamed of, you're in the right place. All right, what up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Authentic Conversations. I have a new but good buddy with me by the name of Sam Feeney. Sam, Sam, look at that. I'm already tearing his name up, and it's so easy to say. It's the hardest letters. part of my name. Yes. <laughs> so good. We're not even going to edit that out. I'm going to let everybody hear how quickly it's I can screw things up. It is. There it is. Uh, Sam's a father of five. Not going to get that wrong. A husband of 15 years. He's a podcaster. He's an author, and he is building an amazing community through this book project and podcasting platform for men. Uh, we may get into some of that today today. Uh, he is a brother in uh, the uh, Iron Sharpens Iron Mastermind that I'm a part mm-hmm. of. That's where Sam and I kind of first collided was through a mutual introduction there. We met in person a few months back, uh, which was wonderful to be able to do that and spent some time together, had some conversation there. Uh, and now I get you on the podcast. So thank Same. you, man. Natural progression of things. I love it. So good. So good. All right. So uh, I'm going to kick this right off. I try to do this as often as possible. So this season of the podcast, I've been talking to predominantly men. I've had one woman on. She was fantastic. But uh, most of it's been by the men, for the men. The ladies that are listening are listening for their men to bring it back to them. Absolutely. So. On that on that topic or that theme, um, to you first, I, I would I would love to know. So uh, there are lots of definitions for and thoughts around this idea of men and manhood and masculinity. There is distortion everywhere as it relates to that. But if someone was to ask you, Sam, or as I'm asking you right now, like how would you define manhood? Stewardship. Like all that easy? Long. That's it, man. Because I think about this all the time because everything for me falls into that idea of stewardship. So one of my core values is legacy. And I believe that whenever I started making decisions on my own, my legacy began, which means I got to go back and apologize to my kids for a lot of what I did in college because it was a terrible example. <laughs> <laughs> but that's my legacy began. I, I was kind of ballpark like 12. Your legacy begins, you're writing it every day. But it is a it's a legacy of stewardship. Um, you know, another way I think about being being a man is about being is about leadership, but that's also stewardship because it's it's accounting for what you've been given mm-hmm. and and being able to set that course and and be able to, you've got to make a decision as a steward where to best allocate your resources, right? If you think about it in a financial sense, sense, 
or a managerial sense. And we are, we're leaders and stewards in what we do. And so I think that's something that's been lost, but um, I, I'm really dialing in on it more and more, uh, largely through my kids, but also through, you know, as we were talking about before we hit record, some of the decisions that I make on, you know, how to use my talents and, and you know, my, my energy and my time. So I think stewardship is a great place to start for guys. And I don't think that's something we talk a ton about. Okay. So I, I, I love that. I, I don't think that anybody uh, so far in the 20 or 25 episodes that we've been rolling uh, this season has, has said it that simply. And yet there is, that's just such a loaded single word. Um, uh, and I, I know the answer to this to question to some degree, uh, having conversation with you outside of this, but okay. So that that's a pretty broad um, word in a sense, right? So, you know, stewardship, this opportunity to do with, you know, what you've been given. Uh, and so how, how, how do you gauge that? Like, is there a foundation that you see first that that comes from? So that's going to guide principle around, you know, uh, uh, on how you steward what you've been given. Is there a lens that you look through? How do you measure outcomes? So there's a lot of things there, but maybe start yeah. with like, where, where does that foundation begin for you? Cause I think that if we don't know where it's coming from, I think it's hard to understand what we do with. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I, I think it's a, like a lot of other words that in that by stand in and of themselves on a, on their surface like okay that makes sense like marriage or you know we could you know whatever it is like a you know a sport like okay you know when you for my, my kids are learning football right now so I'm like oh football you like you watch a game you're like oh the ball should move in that direction and you, know, you but then you start to study it and you're like man there is so much more going on under the mm-hmm. surface that those who know get and those who don't know always see it at a surface level so i would say stewardship is fairly similar in that way where by by talking about stewardship you automatically bring into play certain dynamics and you know so one of them is you know if if there's a gift given and you're acknowledging that then there's a giver right there's there's a there's an understanding there and i think a lot of times i think one of the most important things men can do is to accept the role as a steward of what they've been giving and have that be a very intentional thing. And so in that there, then then you're really solidifying the relationship between the gift and the giver and being able to say that this is something I'm willing to take on. Um, And a lot of times I think, because we don't name that a lot of people, I, I, a long time ago, I realized, and this is actually in my early career as a, as a teacher, I met a number of kids who had just a lot of life happen to them and they were, taking on, they were accepting responsibility for, you know, the one guy's 17, he's got a one-year-old kid. Like they're the other guys, you know, nobody in the house works. He's working two jobs. Oh my gosh. I'm thinking about my college buddies (laughs) who are are just drifting. I'm realizing how much maturity is tied to our responsibility, how much we choose to respond to the things around us rather than just bail. Mm -hmm. And so first and foremost, that foundation of stewardship, I think is, is formed in, in, identifying and solidifying that relationship between gift and giver. And so I think as a man, I think by God, we're given dominion, we're given responsibility with, with a family. And, but I think there's a time and I'm wondering if we lose that with a a rite of passage thing in our culture uh, that other cultures or religions have more overtly where there's a time, you know, it's not because you turned 13, 15, 18. It's because there's been a, a formalizing of, Hey, now you're, you're, 
because you are this age, because you've gone through this ceremony, this whatever, you now are on the hook for these things. Do you accept, you know, do, mm. do you choose to participate? And so I, I think we get a lot of this stuff that rolls into waking up one day and realizing like, okay, I'm in my thirties. I'm doing a bunch of stuff, but I'm not, there's not really much I'm responsible for why I'm still feeling like a kid, like the classic, this is the classic Biff Lohman, uh, death of a salesman character. You know, he's, he's got, he's, he's got the age part. He's got a ton of talent, but there's no responsibility. There's no maturation and there's forever. He's in arrested development from a dad who never gave him that stuff. Mm. It's like 18 cans of worms. I just opened on that. No, no, no. (laughs) I, 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 I think what's so great about that, you know, I, I, you know, I've really struggled over the years because, you know, for me, faith in God has been a significant component to my life since 2006. Before that, it was not, I mean, it was kind of there, but not really. And so, you know, that shaped so much of my understanding about my own life and how I live and how people live. And, um, and yet I've always kind of struggled, swung back and forth between how much do I put this? I mean, I live out my own faith personally, very uh, very publicly. Uh, but you know, how much of it do I insert into what I'm doing? Because I don't want to over, um, I don't know, proselytize, you know, yep. people that, that don't, they need it, but they don't need it in the moment. Right. Like there's just a sense of like, you know, we need to build on this anyway. So I've, I've kind of vacillated back and forth between those things. But one thing that I've struggled with lately, and it actually really comes into play here is, is if I've, if I've accumulated, I want to get into a a maturity and wisdom gain uh, in something else. But for now, like if I've accumulated a bunch of stuff um, and it's by way of luck, Uh, If I believe that I've gotten lucky and so Mm -hmm. it's there, or if I've accumulated it simply by my own hard work and the opportunity that I've created for myself, then I don't feel like there is a definitive responsibility to do anything with that for anybody else but myself. Mm -hmm. Because Mm -hmm. if it's luck, but that's been done to me, some people will say they tie that into kind of karma. And so it's like, because I got lucky, I want to like give that to somebody else, which Sorry, but I just, that's just terrible garbage to me. Um, (laughs) There you go. Uh, On the other side, you know, when it's, when it's really hard work, people are like, I've worked really hard for this. So this is mine. And I'm not just, I'm not saying that people that don't Mm. live in one of those worlds don't give to other people. They absolutely do. But ultimately I, I do believe that the central opportunity and foundation for us to steward what's been given to us is when we understand that it's been given to us intentionally for a purpose. And the only way it could be given to us intentionally would be by being given to us by somebody else. We say God uh, for purpose. Well, there's very few things that can give us purpose in life uh, that are greater than the clarity that God gives us uh, mm-hmm. in purpose. So I see that, and I and I know that that's a big part of your life and your background too. Um, but I just I don't see how we can gain a good framework for stewardship outside of an understanding that it came from the God that created everything and all things and is the one that guides and directs every breath we take and every move we make my ode to the police right there. (laughs) Oh, I thought you meant to protect and serve. I know who you're talking about now. I got you. (laughs) 
<laughs> so, right? Like, do, do you, a, do you feel tough, that? It's a tough nut to crack. It's so funny. I was just talking to my wife about this last week. I caught, and I really think it was just like, kind of like right place at the right time. But there's certain things, like when you have your, you know, you're talking about like, what's your lens for stewardship, right? So when you when you start to think, man, what, if I'm a steward, what am I a steward of, right? You start to kind of see things. And I remember I watched, it's gotta be 10 years ago. I'm watching the the bonus footage on Band of Brothers. No, I apologize, uh, Saving Private Ryan. And uh, so we're going through that and Tom Hanks is sitting on the scene, uh, you know, where they, they shot the last scene of the rubble from the, the whatever town they're in and the whole thing. They're interviewing them like basically, you know, you've got a pretty great career, right? You, you start out with bosom buddies and and uh, <laughs> and splash and, you know, all this stuff. And now you're hit, you're sitting here and you've got two Oscars under your belt and like all this stuff. And like and he's and, and he said something that struck me that really helped me redefine how I think of stewardship, although I didn't realize at the time. And he's talking, he says, he's like, yeah, you know, I've, I've you know, been really fortunate. He, I, I thank my lucky stars. Mm. And I was like, oh my gosh, inherent ingratitude is a, is in a recognition of God. Mm. And he, for the first time, he is not a believer, right? Mm-hmm. He's like, crap, I don't have anybody to thank. <laughs> <laughs> but so I think stewardship starts with gratitude. The, the, the formula for stewardship is starting by being grateful because when you're grateful, you have to eventually get to God and philosophically people, I, I have a theory. I'm just trying to alienate as many people as possible. I have a theory Go that for it. Like, I nobody doesn't believe in God. They just, they don't want to. Yeah. Um, right. So because there's something internally, probably the relationship with their dad. There's something internally that says, I don't, I don't want, I know I'm not going to go down the road. So I know, but gratitude is the same way. And you can look elsewhere, but if you continue to peel back those layers of the onion, you're going to find that it's probably God at the root. And, and I don't, I'm fine with infinite intelligence, universe, whatever it is. Like there's, I think we'd probably do, we, we probably minimize God by calling him God <laughs> and by calling him him and all the other stuff. But like, there, there's something more there. And so gra- I think stewardship starts with gratitude. And mm-hmm. I think it's unfortunate because men are about the least grateful group of guys, people you can, <laughs> you can meet. So unfortunately the prereq for being a, a, a real man is being grateful. So you're like, ah, oh, man, that's a non-starter. I want to go yeah. watch TV. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's really good. And I mean, I, and I think that very, it's, it's so perceptive that, Again, we do as we reduce that further and further down, we have to see it comes from someplace. And I, I I agree with what you said about I don't think there's anybody that does not believe in God, particularly in Western culture. We've all been exposed to it. And there's obviously all, you know, we believe that do believe in God, all believe that it is inherently created inside of us, some some knowledge of God, uh, and it's some scar, some hurt, some alienation that has caused people to not believe. Um, but Can I interject there. one second there? Yeah, go. Who's a better steward than God? Yep. And if you identify, so the seven core areas of made to thrive, which we can talk about later if you want, I couldn't, I was in the same journey as you. I, I wanted to get rid of faith and I couldn't do it because faith leads to identity. Identity leads to mission. Yeah. And that's, that's a stewardship journey. And I, I, I wanted to, I wanted to take it out. I wanted to keep it out. I'm like, oh no, like I want to do something more palatable. And I, I couldn't, I couldn't get out of it. And, and so that's, that's so where funny. I think if we're an imager, an image bearer, um, not just in the image of what we are, if we're designed to reflect as the moon reflects the sun, 
you can't get around the fact that that's some pretty dang good stewardship. It's so funny that you say that. And, and I love how we just were down these holes, but um, I was le- uh, facilitating a leadership development workshop uh, just this past week. It'll be a couple of weeks by the time the podcast comes out for a group of about 40 leaders of an organization that I do some coaching and leadership development for. And so I was live and I'm in person and we were talking about our brand of leadership and how, how we develop that and how we communicate that. Mm. And, and my proposition is that it comes from the authenticity of who we are. Like it's birthed out of our purpose, our passion and our principles. And that's how we begin to understand who we will be as a leader because it's who we are. And so um, at one point, uh, somebody spoke up and said, you know, I don't believe we have a purpose. And so I'm always just like, Ugh, you know, like we're not put here for a purpose. But what I heard later on from somebody else that gave me feedback that was sitting with that person uh, over lunch was they were extremely bothered by the fact that I continued to bring faith into the conversation, which I actually didn't that much. I talked a lot more <laughs> about like we were created for and we were put here for. And so so it's just natural language and it's so interesting that it rubs people so you know so wrongly um and that wound and, is open man yeah it is it's just you know it, it, it's so sad to see but again like even i just i guess i just find myself even when i'm not trying it's just happening because it's just naturally right who we are okay so uh, I, I love, I love addressing that. And it's really having Siri loved it too. I, I love, you know, addressing that. And I feel like that's, that's a great place because if, when we talk about something like that, like stewardship with, without a foundation to stand on and, and a lens to look through, I think it just goes in a billion different directions, which is mm-hmm. obviously a big part of the reason why we're in the place that we're in politically and socially is because we have, we all have the same kind of long-term intention, which is to to do the best that we can for the people that live in the country that we're all a part of, right? Uh, I gener- hope so. Generally okay. speaking, generally speaking, it's your show. Right? I'll give it to you. <laughs> I mean, there, there's margins there, go, but I would, but I would say the mass majority. But, but because we're looking at that through a different lens, the way that we approach that looks totally different, yes. right? Even yeah, if we're means. after the same outcome. Yes. yes. Okay, so that's that part of it. There was another piece in there that you touched on that I really appreciate. And you talked about like there, you know, like there's this kind of like this time in this place, especially when we're talking about manhood, masculinity. Um, you know, there's there's kind of this moment, right, or or, or this season, or you know, this uh, you know, this uh, um, just this time in our life when when all of a sudden we take responsibility. And I think that that you know, we're all inherently created with this desire to, in some sense, do good for others, right? We're bringing up our children Mm -hmm. to, um, you know, care for the person that's marginalized. You know, you see someone sitting by themselves at the lunch table, go sit with them. When you have excess, um, you know, give to somebody else. Or when you see somebody without, even if you don't have excess, give. So, we were teaching that they're feeling that, but I think what happens over a period of time, and I'm, I'm interested to hear your feedback is more than, and I know you don't believe that it's like, you know, when I turn 18, all of a sudden, like I'm an adult and now I'm accepting all of my stewardship responsibility as a man. Right. But, right. but I think that it's far more this gradual increase of wisdom and understanding mm-hmm. in the role that we play, which is why for some guys, particular men specifically, and particularly today, we're seeing men not be men even in their forties yes. because 
they have not been given and equipped with the right type of wisdom to get them to that place, right? Yeah, present company excluded, of course. I think <laughs> <laughs> I think oh. it's it's so huge because one thing I'm, I'm reminded of. So I have a kind of a pet project for the next two years. My son's 11; he's in sixth grade, and in our county or wherever district, um, middle school is seventh and eighth. Okay, so I'm I'm homeschooling him seventh and eighth. And I remember reading a book about, you know, it was a kind of a pro homeschool, even unschooling book. And um, the author call, recalls for us what life was like 100 years ago before really formalized education, this whole thing. And he notes that there was no question about what your dad did. Right. Mm. Because you were doing it alongside him every day. <laughs> There's no question about, you know, the the family dynamic or even even I and I'm a big proponent of uh, agency of trying to create agency in my kids because mm. that's something you can't take away from them. Right. But there weren't there are opportunities right there tangibly to, hey, do this, make this happen, whatever. And so I think a lot of times is we're farming out uh, as parents this responsibility of, you know, helping our boys and girls transform into men and women because we're just not there. I mean, we're, mm -hmm. we're busy doing our thing in isolation, fragmented from the whole family dynamic. And so we get home, how's your day? Great. They, you know, we get mad at our kids for giving us, you know, fine as an answer, but that's kind of the same answer we're giving our wife for like how our day was, right? Like, there's yeah. no, there's no shared experience. And I think that's where, if you want to talk about that, where that gradually gets caught more than taught is this, what I'm hoping I get out of the next two years mm. with Cole is just this, come hang out and listen to me chat with Ryan mm -hmm. and what we're, right, what we're talking about. Right. And, and one of the biggest benefits that I, that I hoped for, but I didn't see happening so quickly was how much he likes my podcast, how much he likes listening to me talk to other guys, largely same as you about different things that were, and he's catching my, mm. my take on that. And that's just not happening for so many kids. There's, there's no intentional handoff because, and there's not even an inadvertent handoff other than works really important. So, yep. so go work. And they're okay. Well, I, I checked that box at 25. I'm miserable. This is the only thing thing that I was really taught to do or to give me validation. Uh, that's, I, it, it's so true. And I mean, this is one of the reasons why our society is in the place is that it is, is because so many men have abdicated their responsibility in mm -hmm. society to be men. And I and get potentially that. unknowingly, not even casting blame. If you weren't given this this idea or that you should be responsible or you don't know that you have these resources to steward, yep. then you're like, it, who cares if I bail or not? Yep. Like, well, it's, the effects, I'm not seeing the effects. That And that was my life. And it's no excuse. Mm. I mean, I, I was raised by a single mom and I saw my dad every other weekend and we had a on again, off again relationship. And I, my mom was an amazing mom. I mean, she worked two and even three jobs sometimes mm. just to make sure the roof stayed over the head, you know, our head for my brother and I, we struggled. She suffered and sacrificed more than anybody. And 
everything that I, or, you know, part of the reason why I am the person I am today is because of my mom. I would take nothing away from my mom. Mm-hmm. And yet some of the greatest and gravest mistakes I have made in my life were in part made, not taking away any of my own responsibility, but were in part made because of the absence of my father. Mm-hmm. And I don't blame him for that. That was the you know outworking of my parents getting divorced and living two separate lives and me being an active participant in fracturing some of that relationship with my dad at different seasons of life. But that's the reality. And people don't understand. Like today there is there is this, there's just so many twists and distortions to a family unit and raising children and leading this nation and people. And I'm not taking anything away. Anybody that knows me would know, knows that I would say that I elevate women in every opportunity possible and Mm -hmm. believing in God, absolutely believe that men and women are equal in worth and value. And there is no question to that, but I deeply, deeply believe that there are separate responsibilities and callings that men and women have. And because of the distortion, because of men bailing on those responsibilities, we live in the state that we do. And we we wonder why kids are as screwed up as they are and why violence is at an all-time high and why there are so many distortions in sexuality and so many and a big part of that is because men have walked away from their responsibility. Right. Right. To really keep think of it in a simple metaphor, it's like if you're playing a sport and like we'll go to baseball for this one and you know, you, you the, the other team is just scoring run after run. Eventually, be like, you know, we really could use an, a right fielder. You know, like, <laughs> like it would be nice if we put so, just even as a placeholder till we find <laughs> just throw somebody out there, right? So, like for for people who are saying, well, it's not that important. We can work around, sure, but it is much nicer when you got it. Mm. I mean, it could it really hums when you when you have a, a dad in place or a dad figure like whatever whatever yes. it can be like there are so many opportunities for guys to step in and be leaders and to bring somebody into kind of their their world their environment um and and serving you know it's so funny i'm sitting at church the other day and i'm thinking like man i wish Cole would sit next to other kids because they're sitting in the church and the, the kids are just playing on the phone or whatever. And then I'm, I'm recalling an email where they're saying, Hey, if you're an adult, you want to volunteer for the students program? I'm like, ah, oh, son of a gun. That's me. I, <laughs> no. I got to go sit next to him. It's me. Oh, so, okay. So this is an interesting paradigm that I've played with a lot too, is this idea of, so just off of your, somebody were like, Oh yeah, man, this blah, 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 blah. Right. So we've got the blame camp. Mm-hmm. And we've got the call often, I would say, I'm sorry, this is kind of middle of the road. The next call is like, okay, hey, this is responsibility, right? Like you're going to, this is literally man up, right? Like that came from somewhere. Take responsibility for this thing. On the high side of that, though, I think we don't see opportunity. Mm-hmm. Blame and responsibility we got, but are like, okay, it's all bad, or it's just what you're supposed to do, which is obligation. And, you know, that's mm. not exactly aspirational. And then all of a sudden you're like, wait, this is, this could be an opportunity. What is this an opportunity mm-hmm. to do? And that's where I think guys who may, they may try to avoid some of the stewardship concept or that, you know, this is, this is tying it to manhood is, is actually that opportunity. I think to continue with what I started with as a core value is legacy mm. is to be able to say, Hey, what if it, what if I, what if I don't necessarily have a purpose as you know, your group participant 
objected to, but if I could make one, mm. right. If I, if I can, maybe I wasn't given a story or I don't like the story I was given. What if I could write my own mm. and, it, but you can't until you start seeing these things like stewardship and responsibility as opportunity mm-hmm. for you to be able to really channel what you've been given and be able to, to use that. I mean, that, that autobiography is nice, but the really good ones are the, are the people who live to have scores of biographies written about them. Mm. Um, and that's, that's where, you know, the impact is really there. Yeah. And I, I really appreciate that you, that you opened up that avenue for a lack of opportunity because I, I mean, that's why I'm doing what I'm doing. I know that's why you're doing what you're doing. And it's not a pitch for that, but it's because the gap is so disastrous. And it's scary to stand in that gap uh, and and lead the way with opportunity. I think that's been a big challenge, right? Because um, we are coming out of a generation, you know, we're kind of similar in age and, you know, we're coming out of a generation that was pushing back against toxic masculinity. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, I, I don't want to speak up about manhood because I don't want to be cast back into that camp that we're trying to like burn to the ground. <laughs> and so that's there. And then now today in the society that we're in again, with like 7,000 different messages being flung at you, um, it's kind of scary to stand up and say some change needs to happen, particularly as a male uh, in society today. So I think there's some fear there. I think another big concern is that a lot of the images that we do see for masculinity today that are advertised before us um, for people that are trying to get something kind of right are the, you know, um, shredded, um, wealthy, I've got my hot chick and I drive a Ferrari or something like that. And so Mm -hmm. they're, it it just that's a really hard spot to step into. And yet I wish that we could see, I hate to say it this way, but we could build some more courage into the men today that see the problem that are that's there and create the opportunity. And it doesn't have to be the podcast, it doesn't have to be a coaching platform. It could be circle together with five of your guy friends and just start talking about what it means to be a man in the community that you live in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, and there, it's interesting too to see where there are by varying degrees, there are people, even just by who you choose to allow into your into your, I'll say like inner circle, um, even just by a selection process of okay, you, you know, yes, you're you know, you can come hang out around my kids, or like, you know, like I'm, I'm or I want to be more intentional with this guy or whatever it might be. It doesn't even have to be formalized because I think for mm-hmm. guys that that's that's a kind of an odd thing for them to, to say, Oh yeah, let's, you know, let's start doing this or whatever. Um, but I, I always think I'm a big fan of, of awareness, uh, or, or putting a language to something, bringing somebody into consciousness and just having that consciousness mm. is behavior change, right? It's not even mm. doing anything about it, but just be able to say, okay, now we've got this. And that's, that's really, I mean, that's, a big reason why you and I are in mastermind groups, right? Mm-hmm. Of, of we're, we're being intentional about at least for an hour a week about who we surround ourselves with so that we can start to have that as be a, have it, that be a true North every once in a while, just, okay, get me back on track. Yep. Let me talk out mm-hmm. something and, you know, kind of work through something that, that I've been noodling for a while. And so we don't have, but we don't have that oftentimes because our, our peer groups, the guys we hang out with in large part are based on proximity or common interest, yeah. which are nice, but it, it it's that awareness of, man, I, I need some help in this area. Mm-hmm. 
who else is like-minded of wanting to get help in this area and get out and, and be up that I, now I can pursue that. Now I can go look for that. Yeah. And that's hard to find, right? It's not like you just Google, you know, I'm a guy, how do I get help? Yeah. Like it just, yeah. it's, it's not that common. Um, okay. So I don't typically talk too much about uh, business interests uh, here because I don't want it to be, here's the seven steps to, to, to change in your life. But uh, you specifically are just in this incredible season of effort of making an impact in, in, in this very arena. So let's talk a little bit about Made to Thrive what you're doing, maybe just a, a little bit of background for sure. sake of time on what got you to here and then what you're doing and where you see see yourself going so people can kind of get a little bit of a vision. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, it's it's funny. It actually started with a, a physical move uh, before a, uh, you know, maybe a, some other shifts. Uh, but uh, one day I got a text from my wife uh, <laughs> at work it said, I think we're supposed to move to Colorado. <laughs> and so we were in suburban Philadelphia and I said, oh, okay, let's, yeah. let's put the sign in the yard and, and see what happens. Cause I have a crazy idea a week and she has a crazy idea once a decade. So I was like, all right, if you're bringing this, there's gotta be something here. So I'm, all right, I'm up. It was, it was a crazy, probably 16, 18 months of picking up my family and moving across the country, not all the way across. We don't, we didn't get as far as you, but uh, lucky, but you're lucky. <laughs> <laughs> you're wise that you stopped. <laughs> we just got this weird feeling. Uh, but we <laughs> we we hit, you know, we hit suburban Denver, and, and and I'm driving out. It's one of those like I've heard of people like us before, but I've never been them. We're driving out, and uh, I'm I'm going out to look for a job because we're it is 100 percent of a like you know, let's move and figure out what we're supposed to do when we get out there. So I got to find a job. Wait, so and, freeze just for a second. Yeah. There was no calling for a job, nothing. It was just, we need to move. We're going to put the house up for sale. We're going to move to a brand new city and then we'll figure it out. As what I a said, man. I'd heard of people like us before. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and in a way that was, that was stewarding a call and a partnership mm. with my wife that I, that is, it, it was not on the radar. We mm. kind of loved our life, like good job, good house, like great friend. Like it was great. Yeah. Um, so we're doing this. So I'm driving across the country and I'm realizing this goes kind of goes back to one of the things we were talking about before is like for 42 and a half years, I've had faith, but I haven't lived on faith. Mm. And I'm beginning to see the difference. You know, you've heard this before, probably like what you believe in and what your beliefs are, what your convictions are. And you kind of find that out in these moments. Yeah. So uh, my, my prayer driving out was, I don't want, this has been surprisingly fun. Cause I'm a, like, I'm a strategist. I'm a planner. Like I want to make <laughs> things happen. Right. I was like, oh my word. I actually kind of really like not knowing what's happening next. So I, my prayer was, I don't want to get a house, get a job, you know, find a church and settle into the same rut that I didn't know I was in mm. back in Pennsylvania. And so that's kind of where part of the made to thrive was born out of was just, man, like let's, let's dial in some of the, some of the talents I have, some of the ideas that I have, some of the, the things I'm passionate about. And what if we could just make a platform to show other people, 
you know, really what is possible. And I, I, which is where I think where a lot of guys aren't, you know, as Hemingway, as Hemingway described bullfighters living all the way up, um, we're kind of settling in. Cause it's just, it's kind of easy because no one around us is really making us look bad. Like mm-hmm. it's got, kind of, we've been operating by the Hippocratic oath and that's, that's the bar. That's where the bar is. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so made to thrive has been a, a, a ton of fun and um, I'm really excited about like a pretty much a full launch that that'll happen in early 2022. And um, but yeah, so that's kind of, it's an outpouring of keeping this going of, um, not, ha- not needing to have everything figured out. Yeah. Okay. So you have been podcasting for some time now, a big, uh, a, a big purpose in the podcast was to create all this content that you're then going to insert into the book that you're writing. Yes. Um, that book is going to be a big part of the basis for how you will draw people into this ecosystem or community for what you're building. Oh, the web, but I know what you're saying. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Spider-Man. <laughs> <I'm> just, uh, <laughs> and then, luring them in. <laughs> and then uh, and then, what does that community look like in, um, you know, your dream state? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, to start out in particular, so that I, I've whittled down as, as, as tightly as I could seven core areas where I think we can be we can be doing better. And it's not a, it goes back to the same thing. It's not a blame thing. It's just a mm-hmm. two, well, two things. So one is we usually gravitate toward being really good in one or two areas. It's usually our career. Maybe it's our health, um, you know, hopefully some relationships, but it, it's usually just kind of a couple of those things. And we mm-hmm. neglect, we, us included, we neglect the stuff that doesn't come as easily to us or that's less tangible, right? Because what you measure, you treasure. And so the idea is to start with an assessment of where am I hmm. in these in these seven core areas? And like just holding the mirror up, right? Like mm-hmm. uh, we talked about before, if, if you don't like what you see in the mirror, it's not the mirror's fault, but yep. th- then you're bringing that to consciousness. And so, uh, and then being able to provide guys resources in those seven areas. And so my ideal would be, uh, you know, as part of the community, you're saying, Hey, this month, I'm going to focus on my health. And so there's a pre and a post assessment. So you do the pre-assessment, you dig into some of the resources that are available there. Maybe it's through interviews, courses, whatever it might be. And then you do a post. And my real vision for this is to help guys create a virtuous cycle, which many people know and have experienced vicious cycles uh, very few people talk about virtuous cycles. And I think when you have intention and you have, um, you've got some self-reflection, you're going to create transferable skills in those seven core areas. Yeah. And you're going to create a virtuous cycle that is continuous improvement. Again, not just for the sake of improvement, because the, then that improvement leads to greater influence, greater impact, greater uh, mission uh, in your life. And so that's that's my big picture vision of it. Um, and also, frankly, just a platform to show showcase other people's cool stuff uh, because I don't have it all, <laughs> but if I can bring, bring a bunch of people together under one umbrella and just say, you know, Hey, this month we're going to have, you know, uh, Ryan's going to come on and he's going to do a lesson. If you want to do a, you know, an eight week course with Ryan, boom, you know, here you go. Uh, yeah. And, go and, and, and I, I loved, I, I, you know, I remember when we were talking 
months and months and months ago, and you were sharing that idea. And I think that there are a lot of um, similar uh, things like that uh, on the surface in the sense that it's this big uh, referral community that, you know, you come into me, I refer you to my guy, like, it's like that. But I love the fact that your vision really is like, here are the areas that I see. I'm going to allow you to kind of self-select into the areas that you need greatest. Mm -hmm. And then I'm going to give you the opportunity to choose an expert of sorts that sees things similarly to the way I see things uh, to help you fulfill this vision that you have for your life. When you're done there, it's not you're done and and that's it. Or I'm just going to keep you in my program in perpetuity. It's like, now let's figure out what's next so we can continue on in this cycle. So I, I love that, Sam. I mean, I just, think it's so fantastic. Yeah. Trying to build that assessment. That's where I think is the most important. And, um, that's the thing I think that, that gets people started is just saying, mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, I didn't realize, you know, like we're, we've, we've talked about before with identity. Like I didn't realize how low my identity score was. Mm. I wonder if that's holding me back in other areas. Answer yeah. is yes. Uh, <laughs> and, and maybe this is the thing. I work on this. This might be the, the one thing, the one domino that pushes over a bunch of other things. I'm, I'm not into, you know, uh, you know, like coaching, some coaching programs and other stuff like that. It, it, it's, it's about, you know, locking into a process. I'm about transformation. And, uh, and I, I was just talking with a coach the other day and, and she said, one of the things she enjoyed about her process is a lot of people decided in a very short period of time, I think I'm good. And like, that's all, that's great. I'm not trying to yeah. create dependency, right? I yeah. want, I, the more you're good, the more the ripple effects that what that I'll never see are happening in your family, right? Yes. And, and your ability to connect and like all these different things. So like, I love hanging out, but I want transformation. I mean, that's the, yeah. that's the biggest part. That's so good, man. So good. Okay. Um, I've never asked anybody this question either. It's actually going to be a series of three questions, but this is how I want to land. So first off, um, what do you want your friends to say about you? Hmm. And it can be as simple or as complex as you want. I'll say, I'll say, um, (laughs) this will be a simple answer to it. He was nice first and funny second. (laughs) <laughs> because I've had a long, I've had a long history of um, making myself laugh, <laughs> and and the sarcasm meter maybe not being as as dialed in. But I'll say, comfort like I was comfortable enough around him that I could talk to him about whatever I needed to. Mm, that's good. Okay, same question. What do you want your son to say about you? Which one? Uh, just kidding. Um, my everything that I set out to do, I already had approval for mm. because of who I was, not because of what the outcome I was going to get. I almost don't even want to ask the last one, but I want to know. So what about your wife? All right. <laughs> Oh, this is a great weekend to be asking this question. We've, we've had some deep talk, deep talks about basically like where we want our family to go. Mm. No one, and this may be a parent cop out. No one could have led. No one could have been a better dad to my kids. Mm. I love it, man. 
I love the direction that our conversation went in. I, um, I, Scripted. I, I never, you know, I never know where they're going. And no. I, I think that the answers to your final questions, which I didn't even know that I was going to ask them, perfectly articulated the answer to the first question that you gave. Mm. And I know that in between that, and for every single day of life that you live to this point, every single day that you will go on living, that none of that will be lived out perfectly. We're super thankful for the grace of God that continues to stand in every single gap that we fall short in. If you are ready but to live the I life you dream I love that you image of, that I'm so well, now. Sam. Head and, to ryanjamesmiller.com. Um, I've been super pumped to, to, you know, to get to know you, to, to share a little bit more here. You I can't wait way, to see where sharing not just Made to Thrive goes, though I'm pumped to see where that goes. But I can't wait to see, and I hope that I'm around for years and years to come, or we stay connected for years and years to come, to see how your legacy continues to be left with your wife, your kids, and the men around you. Because as you said, there are a few things that are, that are more important than that. And that's a stamp Absolutely. that we we leave on history forever. So dude, thank you so much. I mean, it was Absolutely, such a man. pleasure. Yeah, really it was a fun, Ryan. Uh, always cool to hang out with you. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks, Sam. All right, guys. Well, wraps up another episode of the podcast. As always, if you have feedback for the guest in this sense, that was Sam. Uh, make sure to hit him up. We'll put contact information into the show notes. If you can't find that, don't know where to find that, hit me up and I'll get you his way. If you got anything for me, you know where to find me. In the meantime, be you, be happy, be authentic. Thanks, guys.